Bounces it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fudson. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. now in and a good wednesday afternoon to you middle of the work week hump day tc martin with you glad to have you with us hitting football hard again today on the college side and the nfl side you know we got our pros steve berline will join us from cbs we'll talk raiders we'll talk nfl we'll talk about week 15 finally coming uh, to an end after we we'll see how many days we started this football on what, thursday Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, five, five days. Oh, then we got to get back uh, to it again here coming up tomorrow night. Niners and Titans. All right, so we'll talk some football, NFL style. Steve Berline will join us. Trevor Maddich will join us also next hour. We talk a little college football playoff. Uh, NCAA coming down today with uh, some some new COVID rules and guidelines. Will we even maybe have a college football playoff? forfeitures coming into play there. So we'll talk to Trevor Maddich, the 15-time Emmy Award winner from ESPN. We'll get his thoughts on that and a whole lot more. Plus, UNLV back in action tonight at home. That'll be their final non-conference game. Appreciate Kevin Kruger for joining us the other day. That interview up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. And tonight, it's UNLV taking on San Diego out of the WCC. So we'll see what the Rebels are made out of. Uh, Previous game against WCC, they lost at USF. Gets a big seven-footers old squad. Got drilled in that game a couple weeks ago. So we'll see if the Rebels can get a victory before they start Mount West Conference play. All right, so a lot to cover, a lot to hit on today. My guy Brian Blessing is hanging around. He's kind enough to hang around after doing about four hours of nonstop sports talk. Uh, he's, got, he's got the ventilator in here. I said I'm not going to keep him too long. But uh, <laughs> what's going on, brother? Uh, this this stuff is insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, you're watching The Wire every two minutes, it's – what coach, what player, what team mm-hmm. we're you know, we're back in this whirlpool of stupidity. Yeah. And the NHL front and center with this. So the NHL announcing today they are going to take a pause until after Christmas. Uh a lot of teams didn't play last night, but the Golden Knights played with Tampa Bay. Why did the Golden Knights end up playing that game last night? Well, Tampa had been here since Sunday. And they were okay coming in, basically. Vegas had come home from the Eastern Road Swing, and prior to yesterday morning, they were okay. And then Petrangelo and Dodonov, the morning of the game, and Cooper, the head coach, on the other side, the day of the game, they didn't go. That being said, when you say, why did they play that game yesterday, would be, well, why did they play in New York? Because... They had come out of Boston and had been exposed to whatever that had eventually had started or emanated in Calgary. And then they're sitting there, and the Rangers are coming home from Arizona. And Arizona had an outbreak the day before the Rangers got home. So both teams basically, I think Tampa said, hey, we're here. Let's do this. Let's play it. We don't pay the piper down the road. 
the bottom line is, TC, you got 130 guys now are currently in COVID protocol in the NHL. Now, if two guys from the Golden Knights got it yesterday, not wishing ill will on anyone, but common sense would say to you, we're not going to see these guys again until, I guess, Sunday they come back and test. But they're often through Christmas. They're supposed to play Monday. I mean, it's just what my, everything you just mm-hmm. talked about. We're watching the news. We're surrounded by it. If Petrangelo and Dodonov come down with this thing yesterday, how many more Golden Knights have this by the weekend? Yeah. And then how long are they out? So I think it's wildly optimistic from the NHL that they're going to come back Monday. I think some games may, some games won't. But they've got the three-week window now because they're not doing the Olympics. Right, and there's the other news. So the Golden Knights played Tampa last night. Great game, by the way. We'll get to that in a minute. But nine games postponed yesterday. The Golden Knights and and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the only game that that played – the day before, four games postponed. There was the one game that was played. Three of the four were postponed yesterday. Yeah. And then I, I was well, a so five. Talking, yeah. it was so the day y- before, y- the whole so, slate was. Well, yesterday, nine games postponed. The day before, I only four games. Like, I believe only four. I believe four yeah. were scheduled yesterday. I'm going back. And uh, Washington, Philly was postponed yeah. early in the morning. Yeah, the twenty, the 21st, which was yesterday. Yeah, you know, nine games were on the docket. Oh, 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 nine oh, games were postponed. I, oh, my Sorry. apology. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. were four, the day before. There were four. four that were listed. Right. They, they were late postponements. The others were when teams it, were shut down. Right. My apology. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. But, but as of yesterday, they postponed the Washington-Philly mm-hmm. game in the morning, which left Vegas the only game. Right. And yeah. today... Uh, four games are originally on the docket for today. They're gone, and like you said, they're not going to come back. The NHL is not going to come back. So, uh, do do we think? I know we, none of us have a crystal ball here. Do we think that things are going to be better next week, where we're all of a sudden going to get back to to uh, a full schedule here? Or is this? this oh, not is, a full, oh, I, yeah. I can't see any way that there aren't some teams still mired in this, and it, it will be a thing for the foreseeable future. The thing we're all watching for is how this NFL implementation of their rules plays out, where if a guy's asymptomatic, go play. And the NHL went from testing every three days, they're going to go now to every day. They've got to get their act together. And here's the real problem. The real problem with the NHL, the Armageddon scenario is, What's going to go down in Canada? Because they've already shut down Quebec, 50% fan occupancy in Ontario. They've been a lot more stringent than we've been. Oh, yeah. you know, we've been stringent. But they've taken no, they've it to another down. level. Yeah. If they do something with the border again, what does this league do? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you bring I, – I guess. it's Do you bring back the Canadian division and, like – Okay, all the points you got now, you keep the points, oh, yeah. but now we're going to move the chess pieces all over the map. It's not an insane thought, because what happens if that border closes? Yeah. And the, and the crazy thing is the testing up there is a gong show. I don't know if you – I had said it on my show. I heard this. I almost fell over. I couldn't believe the story. Buffalo played up in uh, Winnipeg, and literally they were just like, we don't want to go. We don't want to play this game, because none of them wanted to get stuck – quarantined in Canada over the holidays. So they went up there. They played the game. They were really nervous about playing the game. Tested the day of the game in Winnipeg. 
Then they they play the game, win the game, get out of there. As they cross air, you know, into American airspace, it was like the movie Argo. <laughs> they're right. all they're, we're out, we made it, we're out. They go to Minnesota for a back to back game, back to back days. They test in Minnesota the morning of the game. They got the results of the test from Minnesota back before they got the results of the test they took in Winnipeg the day before. The league cannot let this kind yeah. of crap happen. Yeah. It's yeah. insanity, and then no one's talked about that. Yeah, no, great point there. And again, you know, the NBA is dealing with this to a small fraction because you know you're dealing with Toronto, only one team. But again, you're talking about a good portion of your league is is across the Canadian border here. TC, it, we just saw mess. it, pal. I mean, yeah. the Browns. I mean, their season's on the line. Yeah. Basically, you're playing without Mayfield. The Washington last same night, thing. Like, yeah. oh, Garrett Gilbert. Okay. Yeah. What happens? We, I mean, I somebody on Twitter, you know, I'm a Bills guy, right? And says, some lady put in caps, put Josh Bubble, uh, Josh Allen in a bubble wrap now, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, what happens when we get the wild card weekend or the conference championship, and one of the quarterbacks goes down? Then it's not like it can't happen. Yeah. And the college football playoff. Uh, it could be affected too. They said today that they have a window for the championship game of January 10th through the 14th. But beyond the 14th, forget about it. If there what? are teams, if there are teams that are don't have enough players, it'll be a forfeit. Now think that's about that. Stupid. But that's the word that came down. I know well, it's, it's look, all okay. nonsense. Well, the Texas A and M thing happens yeah. this morning. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. they don't have enough guys. They're not going to play the Gator Bowl. What's the date on it? Yeah. Is it the 31st? Uh, Christmas Eve, yeah. Okay. Right, right. Against so Wake Forest. So they've got basically nine days. They're saying we can't play the game. All right, I get it. They can't practice and prep for the game, right? But that's still a ways out. They're saying can't play the game. Wake Forest says we want to play. We're looking for a team. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to go get some five and six bowl ineligible team and have them be a 40-point favorite? Yeah. Is, They're is, saying the only way it's going to work is they'll sit there – not wishing ill will on anyone. They're going to sit there and see if the same thing that happens to Texas A&M, that situation befalls another team. Yeah. So that there's a quality team and they can't play in their bowl. Hey, we got another bowl. Like, okay, that's good, I guess. But wait a minute. If I, you still have the vacancy of that bowl, it's like so you can the, have two the, bowls the, with the one team. team. The team yeah. that, that all of a sudden we're, we're borrowing they're in the for other bowls. bowl going. Why am I going to the Gator Bowl? You yeah. come to me. Right. So now you got yeah. the Bulls fighting yeah. with each other. Why don't they just say the Gator Bowl, we're moving it to January 4th. You're playing LSU Kansas State after all this other crap's being right. played. Why don't you just move that back well, I'll, and they I'll tell can you why. Play? Because, see, that scenario is a totally different scenario than the college football playoff uh, because you're getting a Texas A&M team is using the COVID, in my opinion, as an excuse because they got their top running back Hey, I'm getting ready for the NFL draft. My quarterback, the starting quarterback, started 10 games. You know, uh, Calzada, uh, I'm going transfer portal. We got all these other injuries. You know what? We don't have enough scholarship players. How many people are really affected at Texas A&M? Now, reports say there's about 10. As you know as well as I do, how many people suit up in a college football game? 90? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yep. Don't have enough players? No. Their AD comes out today and says, oh, we've got, uh, you know, we, we, we have only 38. Well, go play with 38, and guess what? you got about 28 walk-ons you could play as well, too. They just don't want to play the game because they got blown out their last two games. I mean, and not that you couldn't get in an aisle nine of Smiths or Albertsons. Right. Right, but I mean, the way this thing's going right now, 
doesn't it stand a reason that maybe more kids opt out of this? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Which, you know, we're going to be hearing more about this bowl nonsense, too, because we're already seeing teams saying, well, you know, you know, my, you know, I'm, my, uh, our linebacker or our uh, running back, our quarterback, he's going to get ready for the NFL draft. We, we can't have him play. We, we've seen this over the last few years. Now you add other injuries. You add COVID on top of it. Yeah, it's just more of a mess. And again, with no real legislation in college sports, this is what we get. It's listen, a nightmare. Listen, it's. I think we're to the point, and we, you know, we're sports. We talk sports. What are we? An idiot like I. What do I know? <laughs> but I mean, we're to the point now. Cut to the chase. I don't know. Uh, you you came with an Argo reference and a Gong show within thirty eight seconds. Yeah. That's strong. But uh, no, I, very I, strong. A, a listener had to bail me out on Argo. I couldn't remember the name of the movie. Is it's one word? I can't remember it. Argo. And I said, and I, you know why it's called Argo? Uh, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Argo. Argo. Yeah. yeah, Argo, <laughs> F yourself. Argo, F yourself. Yeah. No, you can say that. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, uh, but but great reference to that movie. They got to airspace, they're all, yeah! yeah exactly. That was nice, very nice. So, uh, I think, are we not just all to the point where we're all going to get it? <laughs> I, I mean, is that... I got boosted, baby, I'm feeling good, all right? I'm invincible! There's another I movie mean, reference. I don't know. I mean, how do we get out of hey, this mess? It's hey, if I say I'm invincible, I'm invincible. I got, that's why I got the booster. Can I get a ding, please? Give me a ding. Make me feel better. Thank you very little. Uh, all right, last night's Pretty game. Pretty much they're just going to put a stint in you for the fifth yeah, and sixth oh, and seventh d- one. D- yeah, I don't want to hear that. Let's still say the word stint. Golden Knights play Tampa Bay. Yeah. Great game last night, 4-3. Golden Knights blow a 3-1 lead in this contest. Uh, talk a little bit about what your eyes saw with this game last night. It was a great game. Yeah, and they played well. Um, we always talk about Vegas as being this resilient team. They did. They showed it on the island. They gave up the go-ahead goal twice. One was disallowed. They gave up, but they tied it. We've always seen these guys. We talk about that being one of their best attributes is they're resilient. That's what good teams do. Tampa Bay. They didn't have all their guys either. They were down three-one. How many times have we seen Vegas get goals? Boom, boom. So they tied it, mm-hmm. then they went and they got a goal and they won it. All right, so what? You lost. It's, it's, it's a, but but like, I, I just I get a little. It's just a game. Maybe it's more than a game though, because you always want to know where do you stack up against. They're the they're the gold right. standard, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, when you're breaking down a game, like wow, you know, we got beat by a goalie. Well, well, well I you're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. When you say it's that. one regular season game, no, you know? because listen, I was I was there every night. We were doing the broadcast. I watched Dominic Hasek single handedly win hockey games. He's their best player. They paid them to be paid him to be their best player. Well, don't act like well the goalie stole one on us. He's their best player. Don't use it as an excuse. He beats you, right? Right. That's what they're paying him to do. Absolutely, right. He got one of the best. Uh, that's why he's there. Give him credit. Playing, playing simple. Four three last but, I night. I mean, listen. The thing I'm scared about is Stone. I mean, Stone got hit. He crawled back to the bench, and then he came back out and he played. and He got a goal. Then he was gone. Now could be, you know, Charlie Horse. Uh, you know, whatever tightened up. It's a nothing burger. But DeBoer said he tweaked. He tweaked whatever was bugging him before. I mean, I, I'm worried about Stone because he was in distress when he went to the bench. Yeah. He was able to come back. But Two goals last night for Mark Stone. Yeah. Listen, man, this team, here's the thing. We're getting into this, like, fun debates with the callers on the hockey show. 
Stevenson, the way this guy's playing, that line just got 10 points in a game 10 days ago. Jack Eichel's not playing between Stone and Pacioretty. Don't touch that line. That line's fine. Now you're sitting there going, and when Eichel gets here, whoever he plays with, he's going to make them better. He got Jeff Skinner $72 million. He had him $9 million a year. The guy scored 43 goals. Then he stopped playing with Eichel, and he can't shoot it into the ocean. You know, so Eichel's coming. I mean, you're going to have three, you're going to have two number one lines, and if they, none of them go, Carlson, Marchso, and Smith, a high-end second line. Two ones and a high-end second line. This team's loaded. How much does Leonard concern you, or does he? Well, any goalie is, when you get to the playoffs, it's defense, goaltending, and special teams. When Tampa Bay won the Cup last year. When you think of Tampa Bay, you think Kucherov and all these goals. They won the Cup last year with guys like Yanni Gord and Kalorn and Vasilevsky. They, they were winning games 2-0, 2-1. It, when, in the playoffs, that, Leonard's got to do yeah. it. He's, I mean... I'm not saying I'm concerned about it, but that's that's where it resides. Now, you I, know? Think, I, I think mean, fans listen, are concerned I about thought, it. Should listen, be, yeah. Hey, last year, everybody acts like this didn't happen. Leonard showed up and played the game in Montreal, saved the season, stole the game, got it back to Vegas. They went back to Flurry. Yeah. Why did you do that? I mean, Leonard they should have played Leonard again in that game because he just stood, he stood on his head and stole the game. So he's done it in the playoffs in the past. It's but the, here's the difference: it's him. He's not sitting there playing a game of uh, Twister with Laurent Bossois. Leonard's playing every night in right. the playoffs. It's a right. different animal. You're not looking over your shoulder. Twister, Charlie Horse, Nothing Burger, Gong Show, Argo. Uh-huh. Brian Blessing. You catch him here. It's a, it's a dog's breakfast. It's a, a dog's breakfast. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> oh, 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 it's my show. Oh, yeah. Chuck Barris, my man. Oh, That was that show was so awesome. The best. The best. Justin didn't have any clue? I, way before his time. I think he has no clue. It was lunchtime, wasn't it? Yeah. Lunchtime. The, sh- the gong show was on at lunchtime. Well, it wasn't a primetime show. It was like a lunchtime thing. It was like Jeopardy and Gong Show well, they, they, were on at lunchtime. They they did have a nighttime version as well, a, a, a late afternoon version. They did have a, a morning or lunchtime show version as so well, too. Yeah. stupid. Oh, it was great. Oh, come on. You love Gene Gene, the dancing machine. It was great. Right? The best. It was great. The best. Exactly. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see the YouTube, the, the documentary of, uh, of Chuck Barris's, you know, that's pretty crazy stuff there, man. He's a too. CIA guy, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a nut He's, job. He, he, Beautiful. Love he, that guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, there's one guy you wouldn't. Yeah, you know, you'd be looking at him going, "Yeah, he's not too threatening." Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just tell you, oh, ladies and gentlemen, you got to listen. Brian Blessing. He's here two hours. I love his show. Then again, I love wet toilet seats too. Ah! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Famous Chuck Ferris line. Oh, wet toilet seat. Right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There you go. All right, man. Let's get out of here, man. Hey, I, pre- I appreciate you. you it's uh, always fun. Again, he's, you got a good one in this guy. Yeah, he's all right. He's he's a keeper. He's, you know, like I said, he was a street free agent, and he's he's come up. He's battled yeah. his way, got fought for some playing time, and now he's become a starter. And he's on the all star ballot well, right now. I run my own board. You're a big shot. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, every now and again, I'm 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 hitting the hitting the hey, bu- the buttons with my elbows. That's, that's on you. That's your fault. No, I know. But if I if I was worried in NORAD, we wouldn't be talking about COVID. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. <laughs>
Where's Stevie Slapshot? Bring him back. He's having a personality bypass. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, the first five didn't take. <laughs> That's nice. There it is. There he is. There's a gong show. Give me the gong. Give me the I'm going to gong this guy right now. I'm going to gong him right out of here. Oh, there it is. All right. Thank you very much, Rex Reed. That's it. We'll see you later. <laughs> That's my show right there. This is it. Gene Gene the Dance Machine right now. This this is what he'd come out to. And then don't forget that. And it gets louder. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Keep clapping my hands because that's all Chucky did. Chucky, Chucky, Chucky. And don't forget the unknown comic. Are you kidding me? Unknown comic, fantastic. Murray, whatever his name was. Yeah, very nice. I just saw him a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there he is. Brian Blessing, catch him. Of course, uh, Vegas Hockey Hotline, Sportsbook Radio. Uh, he's here. From 12 to 2, Monday through Friday, precedes this show right here. Uh, good stuff. And all of your Vegas Gold Knights uh, hockey stuff for him. All right, uh, like we mentioned, we're going to talk some college football with Steve Berline and Trevor Maddich coming up. But uh, here's the breaking news. Uh, College football policy is now in place that a team can advance to the playoff and win the championship game by a forfeit. Now, this is in response to the surging numbers of COVID-19, the Omicron that is just spreading rapidly here, and like we just talked about with Brian Blessing, affecting the NHL schedule, uh, affecting the NFL schedule. And the NBA, of course, they they postponed more games here again tonight as well, too. So college football not wanting to basically lose this championship format that they have. Uh, But then again, they're saying, hey, health and safety is the most important, but they're not going to wait around. They're not going to go for postponements because, as we know, college football has really fought this expanded playoff for such a long time. And we go back, they have just fought a playoff, period. Remember, it took forever just to get to two teams. Okay, reluctantly, they'll go to four teams. And now, reluctantly, they're probably going to have to go to eight teams. But they are not into playing meaningful football games, or any football games for that matter, past the 1st of January. They don't like it. So the college football championship game has been... Right around January 7th, 8th, 9th. This year it is the 10th. But they did say today that they will postpone the game up until January 14th. But beyond that, forget about it. We're into our winter sports. We're into college basketball. Football's long enough. These guys have been playing since the spring. They had going through training camp in the summer. Playing college football games that count. In the standings at the end of August, they're done with it. So they put in place this policy that says that a team can advance in the playoff and actually win the championship game by a forfeit. Here's a statement from college football, uh, (laughs) the committee, as we like to say, because you don't have really any hierarchy here whatsoever. If one team is able to play in the title game and the other can't because of COVID-19 and the game can't be rescheduled, the team that can't play will forfeit and its opponent will be declared the national champion. 
If both teams can't play on either the original or the rescheduled date, the game will be declared a no contest, and the college football playoff national championship will be vacated for this season. We talk about all of this for the last four months, how college football has done a fantastic job, got all the games in, no postponements, fantastic job. Now here we come to the most meaningful part of the season, the bowl games, okay? And then the college football playoff, the two games. We've got Georgia and Cincinnati. We've got, uh, rather, I'm sorry, we've got Alabama and Cincinnati, right? And we've got Georgia and Michigan. Can hardly wait for these games. Now, college football committee comes out and says, well, you know, we might have to institute, institute a forfeit. No more postponements. We're seeing what the NFL's doing. We're not on board with that. Forget about it. Forfeits in place here. All right. We'll see how this thing plays out. The semifinals, December the 31st. Like we said, Alabama-Cincinnati, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. That will be played in the Cotton Bowl, Jerry's World. Michigan and Georgia at 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 in the East Coast. That is the Orange Bowl game this year. If one of those four teams is unable to play because of the COVID-19 outbreak, the unavailable team will forfeit the game, and its opponent will advance to the national championship via forfeit. That's what we're talking about here. All right. Other news here. The Gator Bowl is missing a team. Wake Forest and Texas A&M. That's the game. Actually, I was kind of looking forward to this game. But Texas A&M is out. Not having enough scholarship players available due to COVID-19 and their outbreak at Texas A&M. Or is it? I'm going to say it's not. I'm calling BS here. Texas A&M AD Ross Bjork said that the Aggies were down to 38 scholarship position players, of which 20 were offensive and defensive linemen. All right, we can do the math here. They also don't have their tight end, Jalen Watermeyer, and running back Isaiah Spiller. Oh, not because of COVID, no, because they declared for the NFL draft. And they have opted out. Their two best offensive players opted out because I'm going to get ready for the NFL draft. Also has something to do with Texas A&M being 8-4 and four and slide at the end of the season. Also, their starting quarterback, Zach Calzada, has entered the transfer portal. Something's up with that. All right. Mad at Jimbo Fisher, who knows what. All right, so now all of a sudden it's like, wow, we don't have our starting quarterback. We don't have our all-world, all-conference running back and also one of the best tight ends in college football. Three your key guys don't have. What are we going to do? Uh, let's play the COVID card here. All right. Bjork also said that so if you take running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, and defensive backs, we had 13 of those guys and only 13 scholarship players on defense. We had over 40 guys out between COVID, season ending injuries, transfers, and opt outs. We just don't have enough. You can't put other players in there healthy at risk. Nonsense. You just said it right there. You just said it. It's not all COVID. Do you, what if you're Kansas? What if you're somebody else, okay? And you just don't have very good players. You got very good players, but a lot of your players said, you know what? We're done with this program. We don't want to play anymore. That's what's happening here. 
Don't play this COVID card. This is bad Antonio Brown. Hey, I'm going to get a fake COVID card here. You're playing a fake COVID card here is what you're doing. Sure, some people are affected with this. I get this. Some. But you know what? You play on. Some were affected during the course of the season. You didn't play this rhetoric about, well, you know, you know, we, we don't want to play a bowl game. No. Now, all of a sudden, we got our best players are declaring for the NFL draft. It's garbage. And what if you're Wake Forest? From Wake Forest's perspective here, they're number 17 in the country. They're 8-3. and three. They want to play. As they said in the Bad News Bears 2 or whatever they called it, right? You know, going to the Astrodome. Let them play. My man Bob Watts and Kenny Forsh, let them play in the dugout. That's what I'm talking about. No, you don't need to find that sound clip. I know you did, even though Kelly Leak was, was awesome. Anyway, the Gator Bowl and the ACC are trying to find a team to play Wake Forest. Only way that that's going to happen, though, is if they get a team that's in the same situation as Wake from another bowl game where another team drops out. But then again, that leaves a hole in the other bowl game. This thing's a mess. It's a joke. And here's the thing. It's all avoidable. If college football had a president, if college football you know, had a, a, a true committee or an establishment that says, you know what, this is the law, this is what you're doing here, it's avoidable. You just play. How about this Texas A&M? How about, we're around the holidays here, supposed to be spreading all kinds of goodwill. How about just honor your commitment? Honor your commitment to playing in the Gator Bowl and play the game. Plain and simple. All right, we come back. Steve Berline's going to join us. We talk NFL. Trevor Match will join us next hour. We'll get his thoughts about this fiasco in college football as well, too. T.C. Martin Show on a wild Wednesday. Around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Shout out to my guy Joe Sands in the building here today. Joe, engineer extraordinaire. Does a great job on the Golden Knights games uh, as well, too. Joe's all over town. All the events, you know, we got going on. So appreciate him. All right, uh, we're doing it for you here on this Wednesday. Venting. This is almost like a leftover terrible Tuesday where I'm venting my frustrations about you know college football, the NFL, the NHL, everything else that's going on here. So we'll, we'll continue on. And uh, joining us now is the quarterback himself, our very good friend. He is the Monday NFL quarterback, or I should say the NFL Monday quarterback, Steve Berline, CBS Sports Network, Trent Green, Rich Gannon, Steve Berline, calling the shots. There it is. I don't know. Who is the first string quarterback on that show? That's what I need to know. Who's the first, second string, and, and who's the, the practice squad guy? Boy. Well, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, it depends gonna... on who you ask. <laughs> uh, Steve... Yesterday, uh, we, we had, it was just myself, in the studio with Adam Shine, and we had Kevin Carter, um, the former defensive end. I was going to say, yeah. Um, you know, all pro defensive end, yeah, uh, came in. Rich Rich Gannon and Trent Green both were um, on uh, assignment. We'll just say that. They were they had uh, conflicts. Um, and so we had, a, we had a really good show, Kevin Carter. And the history there, was, it was kind of fun. We, we had a lot of fun with it because uh, he played for the Rams during the time that I was starting quarterback for the Panthers, and we were both in the NFC West at that time, believe it or not. And uh, so we played them twice a year, and uh, he, 
he uh, he got to me fairly often during those games. We we were very competitive, but uh, the '99 season was the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, and he was right in his prime. And we uh, had a right tackle that that was completely psyched out from him and couldn't block him. And uh, Kevin Carter used to land on top of me, and he was the most uh, polite defensive player I've ever played against. He he would he would smash me. Land on top of me, and then he would kind of whisper in my ear, "Hey, you okay, Berline? I hope I didn't hurt you on that one. Let me help you up. Are you okay?" <laughs> I'm okay, man. Thank you. Just you're getting a little bit irritating here. He was so. a Florida guy too. I can't believe the Florida guy was uh, that nice, you know, to a Notre Dame guy. You know, yeah, he was he was very nice. But then he would also tell me, as as he was helping me get back up, he'd say, "You know." Your, your boy can't block me. You do know that. I won't be seeing you all day. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of that fact. Yes, thank you, though, for confirming it. So, so who was the guy that, you know, you just you would hate to get a sack from because the guy was either just going to talk some trash to you, going to get that extra little nudge in, a guy you really kind of despise a little bit. There has to be at least one of those guys. You know, there there were a bunch of them. <laughs> I, you know, I I didn't enjoy it from any of them really. Yeah. And uh, but there there really was nobody that, um, you know, inflicted more pain, shall we say, or or, or you know ha- had a the ability to make you hurt more than anybody else. It was just the guys that were hitting you all the time. Yeah. The ones that were really hard to block, and uh, we had a lot of problems when. Uh, when I was with the Panthers, especially uh, with Kevin Carter, and then in New Orleans, they had uh, you remember Leroy Glover? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Leroy Glover was a perennial All Pro. He was a beast of a nose guard, and uh, we we tried everything to contain that guy, but uh, he just made life miserable for us, and would would often find himself in in my face as well. And um, you know, great, super great guy again. But just really hard to block for our center, and um, and he caused a lot of stress for me, for sure. So I didn't like those were two of the guys. And then of course when I was very young, uh, I played a lot against uh, uh, a few times against Lawrence Taylor, and and he was you know obviously one of a kind and a guy that that just required your full offensive game plan to be centered around where was he on the field at that particular time. Right. How about my, my guy, my buddy Gilbert Brown? He ever get you? You know, Gilbert Brown, uh, I don't know if he ever got to me. I, don't, I know he didn't sack me. Okay. You know, he wasn't much of a pass rusher. Right. He was, he, he was more He'd get that grave digger dance, though, you know, in there. He, he'd get that going. So I didn't know if he, you know, got the grave digger on you one time. But you're right. Not a whole bunch of sacks. But when he did, he'd celebrate him. <laughs> I'll tell you this, that one time the worst, the worst that I remember, uh, the worst like split second uh, re- realization that I had was at one point uh, we were playing the Bears in the preseason in Chicago, uh, and I don't know what year it must have been in the you know mid mid nineties, and uh, I fumbled a snap, and the, in order to get the ball, I, I kind of I had to grab it, and then I kind of rolled over and looked up to see William Perry refrigerator doing a, a, a complete belly flop right on top of it. Oh, no. So that that was a horrific feeling. 
looking up at that coming flying through the air, getting ready to land on top of me. See, so, and, and uh, just so you know, that was actually his audition for the WWF in WrestleMania. By the, hey, remember when I he splashed <laughs> Burline? Vince McMahon said, "That's our guy. We got to get him." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 knew he knew the uh, the terror that he would be imposing on people with you know when he when that that full you know 360 370 pounds whatever it was 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 on its way down he, he knew that it was and he tried to use every damn pound of it too. Right. trust me great stuff with uh steve burline uh, some old reminiscent here there you go all right man hey i gotta get some thoughts from the game on Sunday, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got zero against the the Saints, and you mentioned the Saints a little little earlier, but uh, three field goals, ugly game, no touchdowns. These two teams combined for seventeen punts in this game, and why do the Saints just happen to have? The Buccaneers number, no matter what year it is, Steve, no matter if the the Saints are not even think you know, not even thinking about the playoffs here. And here here comes Tampa Bay with, you know, one of three teams that, you know, had three losses coming into this game, but Brady and company could not get anything done. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things that is very, very hard to explain and understand. Uh there just are matchups that certain teams seem to uh, be able to exploit and, and take advantage of and, and play really well um, for who knows what the reasons are. But the last two years in Tampa, uh, the, the Saints have beaten the Buccaneers 38-3 to and 9 to nothing. So, I mean, that's in Tampa. I mean, we're talking about the team that won the Super Bowl last year. So it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I do believe that the Saints may find their way into the playoffs. I mean, you look at what they've got remaining schedules, pretty favorable for them. Um, and they're one of those teams at, at uh, seven and seven right now. Uh, but they're right there on that cusp of getting in and, and very well might do it. But, it, but it, it's not going to be because of, uh, you know, Taysom Hill and the way that he's playing. A lot of people are thinking that Taysom Hill might play himself into the starting job. But I, I have zero doubt that, that, that uh, Sean Payton is not looking at Taysom Hill as being his uh, quarterback of the future, it just it's, it's played itself out. I think he he's a guy that's going to be there and going to be a factor for the New Orleans Saints, but he cannot uh, lead that that franchise uh, into the into the future. I don't think as the uh, quarterback of, of the New Orleans Saints. Um, but uh, you know he 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 protected the football. Uh, he didn't make many plays in the passing game. Didn't make many plays in the run game. But when you've got the running game that they do have with Kamara and Ingram. Uh, and and him uh, as as a running threat, uh, and and they're playing good defense, is which they are. If you protect the ball, uh, you're going to be in most games. And so, um, you know, the bottom line is that they they just seem to have that confidence going against Tampa Bay. And uh, Brady obviously very very frustrated. You can see him chirping at the other players, chirping at the coaches, chirping at the referees, throwing uh, his his tablet down. Uh, uh, you know he he's, he doesn't like getting handled like that, and it's it's been a little bit too frequent against the New Orleans Saints, I'm sure. Yeah, and when you look at Tampa, I'm sure okay things will all be well this week. Uh, it'll get better because they play Carolina. But big picture here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we know how tough it is to repeat. But 
when you look at this team, and granted, there are injuries here now. You got Leonard Fournette that exited the game on Sunday night. Mike Evans got hurt. Chris Godwin out for uh, the year. Antonio Brown is coming back. I guess that's another story in itself. Uh, Bruce Arians, you know, is, is all on board with that again. But big picture here, how far do you think Tampa Bay goes? You know, that's a great question. I, I think the NFC is completely up for grabs right now. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer in the Rams. Um, even though they didn't look that great last night, I didn't I didn't think. Uh, but you know, between Arizona, Green Bay, the Rams, and uh, Tampa Bay, you got to throw Dallas in there as well. But I think they're a fifth uh, fifth place team out of out of those five teams. Uh, but but you know, Tampa with Tom Brady. Um, even if they are a little bit shorthanded with Godwin out, we don't know the significance of Evans or Fournette. Uh, he is he has won a lot of games shorthanded over over the course of his career. Um, I wouldn't put anything past him, uh, but I surely would not put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now ahead of the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers are probably playing the best out of all those teams right now. And then it's just kind of Arizona, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, or uh, uh, L.A. Rams. I think uh, whoever is healthiest and hottest at the right time is going to is going to you know challenge Green Bay for it. I think we got to put the Niners in this conversation too, and, and I want to get your thoughts about the Niners traveling to Tennessee tomorrow. Uh, this Niner team has looked really rock solid. Garoppolo's played surprisingly well, and then on the other side, Tennessee. I mean, I thought Tennessee would get the job done last week in Pittsburgh. They were off to that great start, but then. Lo and behold, four turnovers later, and the Pittsburgh Steelers get another kind of a, I don't want to say a gift win, but that's what happened with them a couple weeks ago against uh, the Ravens, and now Pittsburgh's hanging around. But uh, what do you think about the Niners? And then let's talk about the game tomorrow night, Niners in Tennessee. Well, I think the Niners are a dangerous football team, without a doubt. Um, and, and they are that, that next tier. But as we've seen many times in the past, including you know last year with, with Tampa Bay, uh, teams that get hot at the right time uh, can get in as that wild card and make that run to the Super Bowl. And uh, you know, I think the 49ers definitely can do it. The way that they're uh, the way that they're built with their commitment to running the football and the many different ways that they do run the football. You know, now with Debo Samuel doing it uh, out of the backfield and also on jet sweeps and reverses and things like that, uh, they've got a lot of talent on that football team between Kittle and Ayuk and. Uh, Debo Samuel, along with a lot of uh, different types of running backs, um, they're healthy now, and they're healthy defensively, and they're playing with a real nasty attitude on defense. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan has got to be really happy with where that team is right now, uh, and they, I think they're solid. Uh, they're a solid bet to make it into the playoffs, and then from that point, I don't think anybody wants to deal with them. But uh, uh, I, I don't pick them yet to be. Uh, a team that you can say, hey, I really like them to take it all the way. But I, I really look at them as a team that can cause a lot of problems for whoever. I don't think there's any team they don't match up well against. And, yeah. and there aren't many teams you can say that about. And then as far as tomorrow goes, boy, this is one the Titans absolutely have to have. I mean, uh, you, you think about it, and, and they've, they've swept the Indianapolis Colts. So they've basically got a, um, uh, you know, a three-game lead on the Colts if they end up uh, with a tie uh, because of the fact that they beat them head-to-head both times. So uh, I I still find it hard to believe that they won't be able to win that division. But the way they're playing right now, I have zero confidence that they can 
they can show up and beat anybody right now, uh, the way that they're playing. And, and uh, Ryan starts with Ryan Tannehill. You know, that's a guy that uh, over the previous two seasons with Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator had 55 touchdown passes against 13 interceptions. This year, he's thrown 14 only, and he's thrown 14 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Yeah, yeah. So crazy. He's thrown more interceptions at this point this year than he did over the last two years combined. And it's not getting any better. And and they don't have – they're missing Derrick Henry. They're missing A.J. Brown. Uh, you know, defensively, they've been very average lately, uh, although they played well enough to win this past week against Pittsburgh. But I, I would not be comfortable picking them uh, at all right now uh, in, in a type of game like tomorrow night, even at home. Uh, but against the 49ers team that's playing really well. I like the 49ers. Yeah, and for all the reasons you just said, that's why the Niners are a road favorite in this game, a three-point road favorite. And a lot of people think, whoa, you know, Tennessee, a home dog, pretty live here. But for all the reasons you just mentioned, Steve, again, the injuries, the way Tannehill's playing and everything, and then the hotness of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Christmas Day. Uh, a fantastic game coming Saturday night, so make sure you get you know all your 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 food done a little bit early because you got to nestle up here uh, by your old fireplace or whatever. And Indianapolis is taking on the Cardinals. I don't know what to make of this Cardinal team. Talk about laying an egg last week. I don't know if it was you know taking Detroit lightly. Well, you know we, we're, we're we're traveling, we're playing an early morning game. Uh, look past him, who knows what? But that's two weeks in a row the Cardinals have looked bad. Kyler Murray did not look good at all and this Colts team just keeps getting it done and I think this Colts uh, defense is really a sleeper and they could give Arizona all kinds of problems here uh, what are your thoughts Indy and Arizona well, on Christmas night really in my opinion uh, the Colts and I've been I've not given up on them all year I thought they were going to be a Super Bowl contender going into the season uh, even after their terrible start I was like hey, this team can get to 10 wins if if Carson Wentz can just wake up, and I'm a, I'm a big Carson Wentz fan, I always have been. He's made it very difficult on me this year because I I thought this was going to be a perfect scenario for him under Frank Reich uh, with that running game, with that defense. Uh, I, I thought he would really uh, get himself into a groove. It just hasn't happened. Now remember, he he did go into the season. He didn't play any preseason games. He had those ankle injuries that were bothering him for through at least the first two or three weeks of the season. Uh, but he's back healthy now, and there's really no excuse for him. For And Frank Reich, you can see by the way that game went the other night, He Frank Reich is afraid to put the ball in Carson Wentz's hands right now. He There were a lot of times in that game where where uh, you could just see the wheel spinning with Frank Reich saying, should I take a chance to let him throw the football anywhere <laughs> at this point in the game? And and uh, you know that that's not a good that's not a good vibe for the Colts. If they want to be able to take it as far as they can, they they've got to open it up a little bit. And Carson Wentz is going to have to start making some plays in the passing game and show that he he can be counted on in those tough situations. Uh, I think Arizona is going to come out ready to play in this game. I really do think it's going to be one of the best games, if not the best game of the week, because both teams have so much to play for, and they're both really talented football teams. So I wouldn't even want to make a pick on that one. I'm, I'm just I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, I think it's going to be a great football game, and I'll give the edge to Indianapolis if Carson Wentz can step up and play a decent football game. Steve, you got any concerns about Kyler Murray? Because that's two weeks in a row. I, I get it against the Rams' defense two weeks ago, but against Detroit – 
I mean, he looked lost. He looked terrible two weeks in a row here. I know he's coming off the injury, and this Cardinal team is not the same team that we saw five, six, seven weeks ago. What are your thoughts about Murray? Well, you we can't remember, you can't forget, excuse me, how, how, how young Kyler Murray still is. He, he's still uh, a really young quarterback in terms of his overall development. Uh, you know, he had that mentality, I think, through the first seven weeks of the season when they were 7-0, and that, that they had it all figured out. And I think the natural progression, TC, for a lot of these young guys, it happens to everybody at some point, they think that they've got it figured out. Start getting that confidence, maybe sometimes it's a little bit overconfident. And then all of a sudden they get hit in the mouth and teams start figuring them out. And they go through a little stretch like what, Arizona Cardinals are going through right now what Kyler Murray is going through now, losing three of his last four games. All of a sudden, he doesn't feel invincible anymore. And all of a sudden, he's thinking a little bit. He's hesitating a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think his ankle is, is causing him any trouble. I, I think that they gave him more than enough time to get that back in, you know, to where he's very close to 100%, if, if not 100%. You know, very few guys are at this point in the season. So you can't use that excuse. Uh, he's just not been the same player with his feet or with his arm uh, since he's come back from that injury. And, and it's, uh, it, it's a little bit you know, concerning to me for sure. Uh, and, and I think Cliff Klingsbury has got to really do a good job of getting that guy's confidence back up, get him into the flow early, get some good things to happen for, um, you know, for Kyler Murray early. And obviously it would help to have DeAndre Hopkins out there as, you know, as, a, as one of his primary targets as well. So we'll see how that all plays out. All right, great stuff from the quarterback himself, Steve Berline, NFL Monday quarterback on uh, the CBS Sports Network uh, Mondays at 3 o'clock with Rich Gannon and Trent G- Green. All right, uh, two of your former teams are squaring up here at Allegiant Stadium. Raiders and the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater officially out. Uh, the concussion protocol still happening and everything. Drew Locke is in. Drew Locke came here last year, Steve, and threw four interceptions, and the Broncos got run out of uh, Allegiant Stadium. No fans in the stands, 37-12. That was really the last time the Raiders had an impressive performance at home. Uh, what do you think happens in this game? We know the Raiders, again, beat Cleveland, and that was just an ugly win. But, hey, as Al Davis said, as you know, just win, baby. Uh, Broncos lost to Cincinnati uh, in Mile High. Uh, both these teams need this game. Loser leave town match. Losers eliminated, basically. Yeah, it really is. It's one of those games that uh, both teams still have a flicker of hope. Um, I, I don't. I'm not confident that either one of them uh, it, it really has the legitimate shot at getting in. I think uh, both the Chiefs and the Chargers will uh, will get in before either of those two teams. And a lot of things obviously have to happen. Uh, to allow either the Broncos or the Raiders to slip in as a third team from the AFC West. But I, I was impressed, even though it was an ugly game, like you said, the other night uh, in Cleveland. Uh, and even though Cleveland was incredibly shorthanded with all that they've been through with COVID and all that stuff, um, you know, the Raiders showed some moxie in coming back and, and with that game winning, driving, getting that field, go to win the game and keep their hopes alive. You know, they had every reason in the world to fold up Pulled up the tent and, and, and uh, you know, and not perform and produce at that time. But Derek Carr uh, and the rest of that team uh, hung in there and they found a way to get it done. So I commend them for that. Uh, I, I believe that with the state of the Broncos right now, with Drew Locke, I've got zero confidence in him uh, as a quarterback uh, right now. He's not 
give me any reason to believe that he can put, you know, even, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a decent game together at this point. So uh, if, if I had to pick at home, I would go with, uh, I would go with the Raiders uh, over the Broncos in this game. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it were to go either way, but I would definitely say that I, I, I expect the Raiders to show up and, and play a, a good football game and beat the Broncos. All right, I look forward to it. And the Raiders finally get a 125 game. I think it's the first one all year. Usually you get stuck at that 105 uh, slot to get 125 Raiders and Broncos coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to that. All right, he is Steve Berline. So, Steve, uh, real quick, just to let you know, I was uh, doing some Christmas shopping, uh, not only you know for family and stuff, but for, for myself. And uh, they had a clearance rack, and I picked up a, a Speedo. Uh, and I figured, okay, this is going to be great for Puerto Vallarta. So I just want to let you you know, I picked up the speedo for for Puerto Vallarta. I, I, <laughs> I am absolutely what? speechless. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what you, you you're looking for out of me on that one, but um, it's not positive. It's not, <laughs> not positive. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> there it is. Uh, did I tell you I was going to Port of Art? I'm actually going to Cabo. Cabo? I got it wrong. It was Mexico. So I was I was just uh, I was at the no, wrong no, end. I'm, I'm, My bad. Yeah. You're actually right. I, I'm just telling you to go to Cabo. Oh, there it is. I don't want you anywhere near. I'm in Port of Art. I don't want you anywhere near me. You go to Cabo. I know. I remember. I wasn't invited. That's why I said that. Just giving you a bad time, man. All right. There we go, man. We got it all. In this first hour, we talked everything. We even talked the gong show. Steve Burland, you had to be a gong show fan back in the day, weren't you? Yeah, I was. There you go. Yeah. We we got a little Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. will will take us out, brother. So enjoy uh, your holiday. Merry Christmas to you and everyone, my friend. Be good, and uh, we look forward to talking with you. Hopefully next week. Take care. Have fun. Have a good week. You too, brother. Be good. All right. Travel yeah. travel safe, my man. All right, Steve Berline. When we come back, Trevor Maddich joins us. We'll get his thoughts on the whole college football fiasco. What's happening with all that? That and a whole lot more coming your way. Hour number two, T.C. Martin Show. You do a lot of talking, bro. You do a lot of talking. All that screaming. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. <laughs> Live. The entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Wednesday. Appreciate Steve Berline joining us as the former quarterback. Uh, Great job over at CBS. Talk a little NFL football, and uh, now we turn our attention to the college side as well. Trevor Manich getting ready to join us here, our number two, as we talk a little college football, bowl games galore, and yes, fresh off his appearance, or I should say his voice on the radio, doing the uh, color analyst yesterday, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl Boise, Idaho, Trevor Maddich. What's going on, my man? Did you have any French fries? 
TC, I did not have any French fries, and that's a serious travesty. Oh, no. That's one of the great features of the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is that the winning coach at the end doesn't get a Gatorade bath. They take the Gatorade out of the bucket. They fill it with French fries and give them a French fry bath. And last night, the Wyoming players, Wyoming won, while they were waiting for the perfect moment to dump those French fries on their coach, Craig Bull, yep. they were eating the French fries. It's yeah. like there were fewer French fries in it by the time they got to the coach. Now, see, here are the things that just pique my interest, Trevor. And you know where I'm going with this, all right? So I love that idea. I love the concept. However, being the food snob that I am, I have to have hot fresh fry, uh, French fries. They got to be hot. They got to be fresh. When were these French fries put in? And are these guys, you know, the, the weather really, you know, it was pretty cold yesterday as well, too. Are they eating ice cold French fries? Who's eating that kind of stuff? You know, that is a great point. I thought about that, too, because French fries are only right for a, just a minute or two. Correct. Once they come out of that fryer. After that, they start to fade. I'm guessing they were cold, maybe yeah. about 45 degrees, the French fries. Oh, no. I'm guessing they were clammy and nasty. Mm. But when you've, you've just won a bowl game in an exciting fashion, dominant fashion like Wyoming did, and you're hungry after not having had pregame meal for you know six hours before, I think you're eating any kind of French fry. They are not as picky as T.C. Martin is. This is true. French fries at that point. Or Trevor Maddox, let's be honest. I mean, yeah. playing play simple, yeah, yeah. you're right. And that's a known fact that French fries, I mean, if they're sitting more than two and a half minutes, in most restaurants, they'll go the heave ho uh you know two and a half minutes is is the thing but uh yeah that's uh, I, I i saw that you know i saw the dumping and i just uh, again uh obviously they can't be hot because it might burn somebody but yeah you, you got to eat those things you you can't dump them on on, on craig bull there i mean you've got you got to eat those things i mean why don't you why did he just stick his his face in that bucket that's what he should have did yeah well he wasn't going to do that so who would be the player to step up and grab the back of their coach's head and shove it into a bucket full of French fries. That's the only way that could have happened. That's and whoever true. that guy was must have, would have been a graduate super senior. <laughs> right. And then he must have run as fast as he could go and jump on the nearest bus in full uniform to get out of Boise before his coach gets his head out of the bucket. All right, so with a lot of these broadcasts, we know that you guys have been doing games from studios on location. Did you actually make the trip to Boise? Well, I, let me put it this way. I may have been in Boise, and I may have been in another location. Okay. Um, you can't yeah, say. It's, so, it's very secretive. It's hush-hush is what you're telling me. It's very secret. But I will say that in uh, the year of COVID last year, most broadcast crews did not go to the site. Right. They might have sent a sideline reporter or something like that. So even the TV people were doing it from uh, monitors. Oh, I know. And so yeah. without, without actually saying where I was, I will say that where I was, I did have hot French fries no more than 50 <laughs> feet away from where I stood. I just didn't go get them. I, I, I understand. See, there it is. There's the guy that, that uh, is telling me that uh, he didn't have any travel uh, problems at all. I, I, that, that's, I'm getting, that's what I'm getting out of that, my friend. But I will tell I'm you this. You, I don't know what the contract says, so I'm saying nothing, man. I understand. I understand. We're just talking French fries here. That's all, that's all yes. we're talking about. Yeah. But I will yeah. tell you this, my friend. I'm, uh, kudos to you, your production staff, because I got a chance to listen to a little bit of you on ESPN Radio yesterday while I was driving in, and it sounded to me like you were there at uh, – um, whatever they call the stadium there at Boise on the blue turf, because uh, it, you know I, I heard the whistles, I heard the PA, I heard everything loud and clear. Uh, I, I got all the ambience uh, that I needed. So nicely, uh, nicely done. Because a lot of these broadcasts, as you know, it, it sounds like a guy's in a closet. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? The, the That natural sound coming through may or may not have been coming through my microphone on my headset as I may or may not have been in the press box with the window open calling the game. But, so, yeah. Yeah, no, or at a drive-thru. Maybe you were at a drive-thru, too. Remember that? Well, that's the thing. You drive through, you get those hot french fries, you think they're hot. <laughs> then you get back on the road, you open the bag, and you find they're cold and clammy. Uh, and now you have to decide if it's worth it to go back. You know, that's tough. But, yeah, no, it was it was really fun to do. Kevin Winter was the play-by-play yep. guy. And, uh, and you know, I hadn't done a game in two years because I didn't do anything last year for COVID. There, were, there was kind of a not enough games for all the people available. So, you know, the people that normally do the games did them all. I normally do several bowl games on radio a year anyway, but not last year. So, so it was a whole lot of fun to do. I mean, just a whole lot of fun to do. And I will tell you this, that, that guys who did games, who then come into the studio, will always tell you that they miss being there uh, at the game because of the energy at the game. And I think that's one of the things that's made this college football season special. I mean, more than normal was the fact that fans were back. Last year, the games were played at empty stadiums. And so you didn't have the ambiance that you're talking about, the, the roar of the crowd, the energy that that provides, the excitement, the, the camera panning from the touchdown that just happened over to the fans who were either ecstatic or despondent, right? All those things that make college football. And some inside, inside you know, TV here, when there's a big play that happens and, and you're on TV, radio is different because radio, nobody could see anything, of course. So you have to describe it. But on TV, a big play happens and the announcers will lay out and they'll let the director take over and just do camera shots of all kinds of different things of people and players reacting right. to what just happened. And you don't need a word to be spoken. And that was not available last year. This year, the crowd was back. And it was so exciting for everybody associated with this sport to see college football as it should be. And it just makes you appreciate it because you don't know what you got till it's gone. Right. Thank you, Cinderella. And it, uh, and we knew what we had because we lost it last year, which was the fans at the games. And we have it back now. Great point. Uh, Trevor Manich, ESPN uh, joins us. We'll talk a little college football. All right, Trevor, uh, we mentioned this in, in the first hour, and I want to hit it again here. Uh, college football has a new policy in place here for the the college football playoffs where a forfeit can now occur. So they put this in writing today where a team can advance in the playoff and win the championship game by a forfeit, of course, is in response to the surging numbers of uh, of COVID-19, the, the Omicron. Um, you know, <laughs> there is a little bit of flexibility to move the game from January 10th, the championship game we're talking about, to the 14th. But after that, they're saying no. And again, the statement that we're getting from the college football, I don't know what to call it here because it's really not, we, we, we're not getting a, you know, from the president or the hierarchy or whatever here, but the you know, in charge of the committee, I don't know. If one team is able to play in the title game and the other can't because of COVID-19 and the game can't be rescheduled, the team that can't play will forfeit and its opponent will be declared the national champion. If both teams can't play on either the original or the rescheduled date, the game will be declared a no contest and the college football playoff national championship championship will be vacated for this season so they want to put all this in place here i understand that but man this is this is not a good look here that we could be having we and you mentioned it so many times kudos to all these universities everybody involved in college football this year for not missing any games and now we come to the creme de la creme where we're going to crown a a a national champion and 
this could actually possibly happen. It could, you know, and and uh, just to fill out what you're talking about, if if a team in the semifinal can't play because of COVID, they forfeit. The other team goes to the championship game. If um, if in the championship game one of the teams can't go, then they forfeit, and the other team wins the championship by forfeit. If in the semifinals three of the four teams can't play because of COVID, the one team that could play is declared the national champion by forfeit. And if two teams in one semi can't go, then the winner of the other semi is the national champion. And so they, they've got all kinds of things for this. And, and, I, and a lot of people are upset about it, right? But I think you kind of have to look at the other side of it. You know, if you've got one team that's got a lot of COVID, even if they're asymptomatic, is it really fair to force the other team to play against them? And you talk about the NFL, they just changed their COVID testing protocol. It used to be that if you are vaccinated, you tested once a week. Now they're saying, because so many guys are now testing positive, that if you're vaccinated with just very few uh, um, exemptions, Mm -hmm. if you're vaccinated, you will not be tested at all if you're asymptomatic. And a lot of the Omicron um, positive people, apparently, my understanding is a lot of them are asymptomatic. So the NFL is saying, we're not even going to test you if you're vaccinated. If you have it and you're asymptomatic, go out there and play. Well, that's really interesting because apparently Omicron is uh, the most highly contagious variant that we know so far. So what's happening is the NFL seems to be saying that if you've got Omicron and you're, you're not symptomatic, we, the NFL, are going to treat it like it's a cold or even a flu. Just go out there and play because we don't think it's a problem. That seems to be what they're saying. That's my understanding of it. And in college, what if they did the same thing? What if, for example, Alabama, they're playing Cincinnati in the semifinal, just purely hypothetical now. What if Alabama had a bunch of guys test positive but that were asymptomatic? What if Alabama then in the playoffs used the NFL protocol and had them go out and play anyway? Would that be fair to Cincinnati? to have to go on the field and face a bunch of Crimson Tide players who have tested positive, even though they're asymptomatic. So the testing protocols are different, but the concept of the danger of it seems to be different now with college and NFL and the people that are making the choices. You talk about the college football playoff, it's the, there's an there's a entity that runs the playoff. That's what they do. Bill Hancock is the, the leader of that. It's basically the same group that handled the BCS before it. So it's not the NCAA that makes these, these choices. It's it's that group that runs the playoff. Right. All right, Trevor Maddich uh, joins us talking about uh, this situation here. Uh, again, uh, college football playoff committee putting this in place today that uh, we could actually be dealing with, with forfeitures in this situation. And we know that they don't like playing football basically past January 1st. I mean, they fought this for you know years and years and decades and decades, and we normally see the championship game around the 7th or 8th of January. It's the 10th this year. They're, they're opening that window to the 14th, Trevor, but they go after the 14th, nope, 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 we're not, we're, we're not going to even consider a makeup game after the 14th. Why is that? Is that just the, the stubbornness of like, okay, you know, we've been d- dealing with this football thing basically since, you know, July and August, and, and we got to get on to our winter sports, but w- if we could have a national championship game and we could have it on the 17th or 18th because we'll have more players that are, you know, not positive, I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts about this? Well, it's because they don't ask the players. 
those two teams that would play in the national championship game would want to push it back if that was the only choice. Now, the the team that you know forfeits, the other team that would win the national championship, they would want to play the game too because they want the experience and they don't want to back into a championship ring. They want to win it on the field. That's the way everybody feels about it. The problem you have is with uh, university presidents. They don't want sports to intrude into academics to the degree that they think it would if you extended the season that far out. And there's no guarantee that even if it went to the 14th that you would have enough guys test positive that you could play the game anyway. And then do you postpone it again? The players would say, yeah, right? But you know, the academic side, at some point, they would say, no, this is too much. The TV side, I'm sure, I don't know this, I don't talk to those people about this, but I'm sure the TV side would, would want to get that game played no matter what, because if the game isn't played, the money isn't made. And that money doesn't just go to the TV people. Millions and millions of dollars goes to the schools that play in it and their conferences. So you lose a lot. You also lose the, the stadium staff. I mean, the people that do the parking and the concessions and the people that supply product to the people who sell concessions on the stadium concourses and all those different things that occur, the taxes that get paid locally to the cities and municipalities, all that stuff is gone. And so really what, what college football is saying is that we're willing to sacrifice that if we have to, rather than push it farther back. And we're doing that for the good of the players. I think the players probably wouldn't want that much help. They'd want to play it anyway. But at least you could say that the people who would cancel it rather than postpone it past a certain point are doing it for the right reasons because they certainly are losing a lot of money when they do it. This is true. Okay, so the Gator Bowl is missing a team now. Wake Forest and Texas A&M. A&M is out, not having enough scholarship players available due to COVID outbreak there at A&M. But Trevor, I'm calling a, a little BS here, and I know I can maybe be a little bit more vocal than than you can with this situation, or, or, or maybe you can too. I don't know. But you know, the Texas A&M AD has said that the Aggies are down to 38 scholarship position players, of which 20 were offensive and defensive linemen. But they also don't have they're starting tight end, uh, Jalen Wendermeyer, and they're all-world running back, Isaiah Spiller. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Zach Calcata, uh, Calzada, their quarterback, is, uh, uh, you know, entered the transfer portal. So Spiller and Wendermeyer are declaring for the NFL draft, so they're electing not to play. And so here's the quote again from the Texas A&M AD. He said, so if you take the running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, and defensive backs, we had 13 of those guys and only 13 scholarship players on defense. We had over 40 guys out between COVID and season-ending injuries, transfers, and opt-outs. We just don't have enough players. You can't put the other players that are healthy at risk here. I want to get your your thought on this because we on the other side we've got Wake Forest a team who's number 17 in the country, 8 and 3, Texas A&M, it, it sounds like to me that they're basically backing out of this game when I know darn well that they're suiting up 85-90 players for for every college football game here. I mean, this is a bowl game, my friend. To me it sounds like I get it. If there are that serious COVID issues, okay, but to me it sounds like it's a lot more than that. It's other things here. You know, I, I I would take the other side of that, though, TC, because the Gator Bowl, I think, pays out over $3 million per team to the team in the conference. There's a lot of money that you lose by not being in that. And they're talking right, right. now about possibly Illinois at 5-7 and seven, or maybe even Marshall to um, 
Marshall seven and six right now to replace Texas A and M in the Gator Bowl because they don't want to cancel that game. Once again, it goes back to all the things in the community that and all the charities right. involved and all the everything that if that game is canceled, it, it costs more than just missing a game. And so they're going to try to do it. But from Texas A and M standpoint. Uh, I, I believe them when they say that they just can't feel the team. And that's not just for the game itself. I mean, it's December 31st. It's New Year's Eve that this game is played. It's a matter also, though, of being able to practice. If you can't put together enough guys to have a healthy practice, because you need to practice against somebody. And if you wear guys down in practice, then in the game they'll be worn out. If you don't practice hard enough to be ready physically in terms of conditioning and strength for the game, then you go play against a team that is ready, and now your guys are going to get smashed, and they're going to have to play more plays than they normally would because their depth isn't able to rotate in because they don't have the depth. So all those different things add up to a greater risk for the players. I mean, a physical, actual risk. This is one of the reasons that I was so upset with the NCAA when they pulled almost a death penalty on, imposed almost a death penalty on Penn State a number of years ago when they had the scandal involving their defensive coordinator and an off-the-field sexual abuse from him. The NCAA stepped in, even though the law had already stepped in and taken care of business, and they, they restricted scholarships dramatically to Penn State, and they thought that was a good idea. All that did was give Penn State fewer scholarship players to rotate in, and it was a lesser quality of scholarship player because what Big Ten caliber player is going to want to go to Penn State when they're under sanction and there's no way they're going to be able to field a competitive team? They're going somewhere else. That means that you have less than Big Ten caliber players on much of your roster. Now, the reason that bothered me was that those guys still had to go out and play complete games against Big Ten teams. And the guys that were in there uh, were getting pounded. And the depth that we rotate in wasn't depth that should have been there because they got pounded, right? The same kind of thing can happen in this situation where you were going in a single game without enough guys to rotate in, with guys starting that normally are second or third team guys, and they've got to play against a, a healthy team. And that's something that you just don't want to expose them to. So, TC, I think a lot of people would agree with you about your assessment of it, that there must be something more. But I tend to see it the other way, that, that it really is looking at the players and realizing that we can't get a full team prepared to go out on the field to play. And I just hope that, you know, again, I feel bad for Wake Forest in this situation. I mean, this is a good football team. They're a fun football team to watch. You know you're going to get plenty of touchdowns. And I just, you know, again, it's hopefully they can, they can find someone to play here, and it's, and it's going to be a game. I just, you know, you, you know and uh, Dave Clawson said, he goes, man, this isn't right. You know, we want our, our seniors, you know, to, to go out and, and have one last opportunity and, and, and win a bowl game. And just for Texas A&M, I, I guess if they had said, hey, we have – 22 players that are that are on the covid list okay then i i think you know we wouldn't i wouldn't be saying what i'm saying other people wouldn't be saying that or thinking that as well too but you know when you're just talking about you know you're lumping it all together covid uh, people entering the transfer portal uh season any injuries guys that 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 want to declare for the nfl i mean to me it just th- that's not a good look for college football or college sports in general no there was no way for it to be a good look they had to pick which bad look they wanted. And they, they chose the bad look 
that would not expose players to some of the risks that, that I just talked about. But think about this, though. If the Gator Bowl can replace Texas A&M, find a new opponent for Wake Forest on New Year's Eve, look at the interest that will have. Yeah. I mean, because of all this going on, I mean, you talk about eyeballs on television sets. That's going to be a must-viewing, at least for the beginning of that game, because of everything that happened. And if the new team takes Wake Forest deep into the second half, what a Cinderella story. It's like Rocky. Rocky won. You know, he wasn't supposed to fight a call Apollo Creed. Somebody else, I think, bowed out, and they had to get him right. as a last-minute replacement. That's true. And it became, what, six, seven movies. Yeah, it did. And so somebody has an opportunity to do the same thing if they're able to fill that empty spot. There we go. I know. Just but the, the beginning of Rocky three though, we we got to go. When Rocky has all the money and he's training in the ballroom and he's getting ready for Clubber Lang. I mean, that's it. We got we got to shorten that movie and get rid of like the first half hour of that movie, and then we'll be okay. All right. You know what though? See, Rocky was too nice. It wasn't that he got yeah. soft. So much he was too nice. He was doing all the charity appearances yeah. and all the TV interviews, and he was wanting to focus. But he just he just was. Too nice saying yes to too many things. That's why in Rocky Four, when he went up into the mountains of Siberia and was carrying logs on his shoulders right. up the hill while while Drago was in the high tech lab on the you know treadmill getting shot full of who knows what performance enhancer by that tall blonde, you know. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Well, we, we we know one thing though. I think I think Clubber Lang and Mr. T. It was actually just. He was using Rocky to get ready for WrestleMania. That's what he was doing. So he could go against Roddy Roddy Piper and Mr. Blunderful Paul Orndorff. <laughs> Paul Orndorff. I've got to wonder, though, if, if Mr. T, as the actor in the ring with uh, Sylvester Stallone, yeah. didn't pop him a few times. Oh, yeah, we wonder. Because that sounds like what Mr. T would do, right? <laughs> so I, I'd like to hear some of the behind-the-scenes story about Rocky Three. I really would. There we go. There it is. Uh, see, we bring up something like this, and Trevor Match just runs with it. That's our guy right there. He's not even a running back. But see, that's that's how much he, enjoy, he enjoyed picking up a fumble and running with it because he didn't get that opportunity well, as an offensive lineman. It's different. I did score a touchdown. Uh, you did. Yeah, I know. I know. You did. I did yeah. You caught one in the end zone. I've seen the video. <laughs> yeah, and I know you know. Here's the thing, though. It's not more like picking up a fumble. It's more like we're talking about college football and then squirrel. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so that's what it was. But, but bringing it back to this, yeah. right, and maybe with sort of a sideways yeah. uh, analogy to it, Wake Forest doesn't know who they're going to play. They're not going to be able to prepare for them until late, right? And Wake Forest will be looking down at them because A&M, man, A&M beat Alabama. Wake Forest will be ready for them. Yeah. But what if Marshall shows up, right? What if Illinois, they're 5-7, and seven, they're Illinois. Well, that team is going to be super fired up for Wake Forest. And uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that game starts out because of that. So, Trevor, who, who do you mentioned those two teams, and I, I don't know if that's what, what they're talking about, but if you had to select a team, I mean, is, is it one of those two, or can we do somebody better here? What do you think? Well, we're already talking about five and seven teams because Illinois is a five and seven team. And so, let's see, other five and seven teams – I'm just going through this. Does Nebraska um, want to play? I mean, uh, we, oh, Florida State. You know, put Florida State in there. They're five and seven. Flor- oh man, boy, boy, that that was that was kind of a fiasco. But then again, I mean, Florida uh, is in is a much more of a nightmare than Florida State. So there you go, Florida State. Speaking of which, I got to get your take on. You heard me on Friday. I got UCF. I got UCF tomorrow against Florida. I think Florida's a mess. Can I get a witness? What do you think? Handicap that game for me tomorrow. The way I see that one is UCF will come out on fire. They're going to hit Florida in the mouth. I, I kind of get the impression that when Florida played Florida State, both of them with five wins, it was for bowl eligibility. Think about that. A Florida-Florida State game, not for 
a national championship implication, but for bowl eligibility. And Florida won that game to become bowl eligible. I wonder how many of those Florida players, knowing that their coach had been fired anyhow, really wanted to practice for two extra weeks. And I'm guessing that UCF had a much better bowl practice uh, sessions, you know, than than Florida did. So I think they're going to come out early and do a lot of work there. And whether or not Florida's talent will rise up and win, I don't know, but it's going to be a matter of, um, can they turn around the momentum that I expect USF to have at the beginning? All right. Uh, actually, I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah. Uh, UCF Central Florida taking on uh, the Florida Gators tomorrow. Again, looking up at Big Brother a little bit uh, as well, too. A uh, quick take on, on on this, Trevor, too. You've got um, Army, Army Missouri tomorrow, and we understand that you know Army can run the ball all day, but they're coming off that huge emotional loss. And I remember that the Army coaching uh, head coach was saying uh, before the Navy game, he goes, hey, if we lose this game to Navy, our season's done. I mean, that, it, our season is considered a disaster. How does a school like that or an academy like that get up for this game? I will give you an example from Navy, Pearl Harbor, Battleship Arizona, was hit by Japanese bombs and torpedoes and stuff, and it sank. December 7th, yes. 1941. Correct. And while the ship was now underwater, the guns still above water were still firing. They were still firing. That is a testament to the men who are interned in the USS Arizona still to this day in Pearl Harbor. And it's the kind of of young men now that are playing uh, ball for the service academies. And and I think Army, uh, emotionally, might be hard for them to get up in some ways. But I know that from a discipline standpoint, they will still practice at the highest level. And when it's game day, they're going to face an opponent. And when you put Army against an opponent, they will never quit, ever. They will fight you to the final instant because it is not in their DNA to quit. So I think they're going to play super hard. The thing is, Missouri, you know, their rushing defense overall ranks really poorly. But their last you know, month of the season, they really stepped up. They shut down Florida's run. They shut down South Carolina's run. Uh, you know, they did a much better job with their run defense. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see if this Missouri rushing defense will be up to the Army um, triple option because I don't worry at all that Army will be ready to play this game. They never step back and they never quit. Yeah, you mentioned Missouri's rush defense, 248th in the country. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh all right. Uh, there we go. Uh, quickly, Miami of Ohio and North Texas. I'm thinking Mean Green. Am I on the right side here? No earthly idea. I have not looked at that game in any way. So I, I can't believe Miami. it. You are all over every game. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, I mean, am. This is the one game I chose to not be all over. You I, picked it. How'd you know? I didn't know. I didn't know. There you go. Yeah. All right. We're looking forward to it. All right. Your next assignment is what? Uh, you get, you get... Uh, next time I got I got a bunch of half times coming up. Uh, you know, including, uh, let's see, tomorrow, Thursday, I'm doing Christmas Eve uh, halftime. I also have the Christmas Eve call of the Hawaii Bowl, so you can decide how I'm doing it. I'm either going to be in Hawaii and do halftime from there, or I'm going to be, you know, somewhere else doing halftime from uh, a local place. So 
Um, th- those are my next assignments, though. And then I've got I've got half times for bowl games, and then radio all the way through the championship stuff. All right, just make sure that you have some pineapple by your side wherever you're at. Okay, you need some pineapple while you're calling this game. Yes, because I do like pina coladas <laughs> and getting caught in the rain. Oh, Although I don't drink, so it's a virgin pina colada. There it is. I think I think Jimmy Buffett is coming out to uh, to lead us to a break, my friend. So th- there you yeah, have it. That, that's good. Or uh, Eric Rupert, or whatever his name was. Yeah. Who sings that song? I don't even know. Yeah, it's uh, anyway. it's Rupert. Uh, which uh, huh? Rupert Holmes. Rupert. Rupert Holmes. There you go. There it is. See, there it is. Name that tune. We can do it all here for you. Uh, no that doubt. nunchuck that pulls these up. Is he the one doing this? He's doing it. He's doing it. Because that it? is so strong. You know, this is what I said. I don't even have that at his fingertips. See, so the, so the guy who does the show before me, he, he said today we did a little crossover. He says, you know, you got a good one over there. And I said, you know what? Numchuck was a street-free agent. Okay, street-free agent. He's worked his way up from the practice squad. Then he got himself, uh, you know, a lot of reps. And now he's all conference. I mean, this is where Numchuck is gone. You know, again. You he's got to be careful because he's, he's going to take our jobs. I mean, he's going to be like uh, – um, oh come on! Who's the the Super Bowl quarterback for the Rams that was bagging groceries? Uh, Kurt, uh, who? Kurt Warner? Who are you talking no, 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 about? Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner? Oh, yeah, Kurt Warner. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was in the Iowa Barnstormer. Iowa Barnstormer, Trevor. Exactly. But you know what? We have we don't have to worry about that. You and I. You know why? Because Numchuck doesn't talk. He's like, we don't allow him to get on the microphone because he's horrendous at it. So there you go. He's he's the behind the scenes guy. He's like, he's your mix master DJ. Or will I? He's got six-round draft choices and afterthought camp arm that ends up being Hall of Famer. Nunchuck is dangerous, man. He's lying in the weeds. There there he is. That is true. He's learned a lot here. There you go. He's he's picked up the vernacular. But then again, again, he he would have to be on Sirius XM because you need to, you know, he he has a pro, he has a vocab, uh, vocabulary problem if you know where I'm going with that. You know what I'm saying? He's, In other words, he, he doesn't curse enough, is what you're saying. Yeah, he, he curses exactly. He curses too much. Yeah. That's the problem. The, oh, exactly. the seven, oh, that's a different problem. Yeah, the se- yeah the seven second delay. The seven second delay is is Numchuck's uh, best friend. So well, here's we got to watch him. He can rip off strings of curse words that are twelve seconds long. Seven <laughs> seconds isn't enough for him. <laughs> All right, my man. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. Have a great, uh, great holiday. Happy holidays uh, to you, yours, and everybody else. All right. You too, TC. Thank you very much. Take care, brother. There he is, Trevor Maddich. All right. Love it. Breaking it down. Rupert Holmes. You're not going to get that just anywhere. I'm telling you. All right. We'll hit some more with another disturbing college story. I'm going to hit that when we come back uh, as well, too. And UNLV in action tonight at the Thomas and Mack Center. Rebels playing San Diego in their final non-conference game. And she walked in the place. I knew a smile in an instant. I knew the curve of her face. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, Christmas Eve. We're going to still be at the Cosmopolitan on Friday. So come on by, say hello. We've got our best bet segment and a whole lot more coming your way on Friday. Cosmopolitan, 2 to 4 p.m. And then New Year's Eve. We'll be right back there as well, too, as uh, we get ready for a busy, busy Football weekend. Uh, this weekend, 
a little short on the college side. Uh, a couple bowl games uh, happening, but then once we get past that, boom! Next week we've got plenty of college bowl games, including the Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin taking on Arizona State at Allegiant Stadium. Looking forward to that happening on December the thirtieth. Yeah, we'll start previewing that for you as well. And uh, that place is going to be jam-packed. It's going to be uh, Wisconsin fans coming in. And hopefully there's plenty of uh, Arizona State fans that uh, come into Las Vegas uh, as well. So looking forward to the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, You can still get tickets. There are some tickets still available. Go to the uh, uh, LasVegasBowl.com website and, um, you know, Get all your stuff uh, with that. So look forward to the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, always one of my favorite bowls. But now that it's at Allegiant Stadium, and now you've got the Big Ten and the Pac-12, SEC will be involved starting next year, part of the rotation basis. So it'll be the SEC and Big Ten alternating years versus the Pac-12 opponent each and every year. So uh, we've got that happening and a whole lot more uh, coming your way too. But it's some meaningful meaningful NFL football. Again, it's going to start with a great game tomorrow night uh, as well with the San Francisco 49ers, a road favorite, taking on the Tennessee Titans. All right, so we'll uh, be handicapping that for you. Scott Spritzer will join us uh, tomorrow as well, too, and uh, break all of that down for you. All right, uh, one more story we wanted to get to uh, regarding uh, college. And uh was going to talk about this yesterday. It was part of a terrible Tuesday story. We ran out of time with that. A uh, Jackson State football player was arrested by federal authorities on Monday and is accused of devising a scheme to fraudulently obtain hundreds of thousands of dollars in a COVID-related unemployment benefits uh, uh, scam. Now, Jackson State is getting a lot of love because of... Deion Sanders being their head coach right now. And Deion Sanders was able to to go ahead and get a a prime time uh recruit uh, out of Florida State, one of one of the top recruits in the country. But then now we're hearing this story with Jackson State. Uh Abdul Malik McLean uh allegedly orchestrated this scheme with other players while he was attending USC back in 2020. Now, he pleaded not guilty to 10 counts of mail fraud, two counts of aggravated identity theft in the U.S. District Court in Los Angeles on Monday. He was released on $20,000 bond, scheduled to appear in court again on February 15th. Now, McLean had transferred to Jackson State last December. Uh, his name is no longer on the Tigers' roster, or on the athletic department's website at all. But uh, according to the indictment, McLean organized and assisted a group of other football players in filing fraudulent claims for unemployment benefits, including under the pandemic unemployment uh, assistance. That's the PUA program that was established by Congress. I, I know that a lot of people are, are familiar you know, with that here and people that were not able to work during 2020 and during the pandemic uh, you know, were assisted with that program. And we know how much money was involved in this, in this program. And for someone to try to scam hundreds of thousands of dollars, doesn't even matter if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's just any amount of money to do this is deplorable. Now, the indictment alleges that the claims which were filed 
with the California Employment Development Department, the EDD there in California, uh, the administrator of the state's unemployment insurance benefit program, uh, it contained false information about football players, supposed prior employment, pandemic-related job loss, and job-seeking efforts in California. The indictment also said that McLean caused at least three, uh, actually, yeah, caused at least three dozen fraudulent applications for relief to be submitted that sought at least $900,000 in benefits, and at least $227,000 was paid out. Now, in October of 2020, his brother, who had been suspended by USC in connection with his role in the scam, now his brother, Manure, acknowledged that he applied for financial relief from the PUA program, but said he was under the impression that he qualified because of his source of income. Are you ready for this? For reselling high-end shoes, that that was okay for him to to collect uh, the the benefits, and then that uh, that had all dried up during the pandemic. So uh, yeah, serious story coming out there of Jackson State football player being arrested again for uh, trying basically to out out of the government here over nine hundred thousand dollars. And uh, he at least got $227,000, you know, paid out here. So keep an eye on that story. But not a good look for, especially with a program that uh, had, you know, been under some some pretty good news here as of late. All right. uh, Let's talk about some UNLV basketball. They're in action tonight, hitting the hardwood, 7 o'clock. UNLV in their final non-conference game. UNLV taking on San Diego out of the WCC. And join us now, Mark Anderson, our good friend with the Las Vegas Review Journal. Been covering UNLV basketball for a long, long time. Always love talking hoops with Mark. What's going on, my friend? Doing all right, TC. How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. I'm doing good. Okay, so as we head into tonight's game at the Thomas and Mack Center, we know that we've had a lot of sparse crowds there. You know, Mark, uh, even when UCLA came to town, which at that point in time was the number two team in the country, it was a good crowd, but it wasn't a great crowd. And we know for lesser opponents, we've seen you know very sparse crowds. Uh, UNLV back here at the Thomas and Mac here as we get ready for some some real meaningful games here once conference play starts. What what kind of crowd do you think we're going to get tonight, Mark? I think it's going to be pretty poor again. Yeah. You know, I just I, I, mean, I just I just don't see the crowds. I mean, that, that was pretty startling. You mentioned UCLA. It wasn't that long ago that game would have probably sold out. No doubt, you know, you know. But so it's just, you you know, I think there are a couple things at play right now. Uh, I think one, you have UNLV fans who are just frustrated, uh, and they don't really see any kind of return to contention anytime soon. Um, you know, and I and I think they're going to. It's going to be one of those. You have to see it to believe it sort of things before the fans start coming back. Another thing, people have choices now, you know, especially as well as the Golden Knights are playing. And obviously, you got the Raiders down the street, you know. Uh, those aren't cheap tickets. And so, you know, it's, especially if you want to go see a sporting event and, um, you know, be, and be in a great atmosphere, and both of those are great atmospheres, uh, that's a little bit more enticing these days. And, 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 uh, so I, I think that I think that hurts as well. You know, I think a lot of people always want to point to the cost and the competition for the entertainment dollar, and there's some viability, you know, with that. But I think you know as well as I do when you get a product that is 
is hot and is good, people are going to find the way to get there. And especially as we know, the UNLV runner rebel mm-hmm. tickets are are a are a bargain for you know for mm-hmm. prime time college basketball. And then obviously UNLV is not that at this point in time, but it's not like you need to pay one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars to go see a game like you do. You know, for uh, for for the Raiders and in or concerts and that sort of thing, and you know, Cirque shows and, and that matter. I mean, I think I use the Aces as an example. They're still in their infancy here, but when the Aces are are, are, are playing good, and we saw, you know, it's too bad the pandemic killed that last year. Uh, but this past season, you know, when it came playoff time, we saw seven, eight thousand people show up at a decent ticket price because people were starting to buy in and realize, hey, you know what? We got Asia Wilson. We got the MVP. You know, we know about Liz Cambage, Kelsey Plum, you know, coming off their Olympic run and everything. And I think it's more about that. And you hit the nail on the head. It's just the the fan base just has this apathy towards the UNLV program because they haven't been winning and the revolving door of, of, of coaches. But I really felt when you name Kevin Kruger, even though he doesn't have the experience, but he is kind of one of your own. And you still got Lon Kruger looking over the shoulder that you think, okay, now we're finally on the right track. And I firmly believe that. UNLV is on the right track, and they will be relevant in a couple years' time. And they could be, but, you know, it's just it's just the fans fans just aren't, aren't yeah, they're not buying into it. Yeah, you're not buying into it yet. You're right. And, and the thing is, and you said, you said a couple of years. Well, a couple of years isn't this year, you know. So fans know this isn't an NCAA tournament team. It's not close to one. Um, so they're they're not gonna they're not gonna waste their time, you know. Especially with other options. And, and I agree with you about the ticket price. I, I, you know, they start at sixteen dollars. I heard some. I guess I heard a couple couple complaints about high prices at UNLV games. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, they're, it's not. They aren't highly priced. They're very affordable and. You know, and I don't. I think it's just an excuse. I mean, you know, if you're not willing to pay sixteen dollars, you're not willing to pay five. I right. don't think. And, and actually, there are there are there are there are five dollar tickets for tonight for tonight's game. They're yeah. running a promotion, so I mean, it's, they're, they're well, trying I mean, to do they, everything they, they can to get people there. Well, well, they gave away what twenty five hundred free tickets to yep. the last game at uh, Mandalay. Yep. So you know, it, so it's you know, I, I don't blame you know me for trying to do everything it can. I just don't think there's much they can do at this point. You know, I, I, they just, you know, at some point they got to start winning again, and, and and I don't think it's just going to be overnight either. It's got, it's got to be, you got to win and you got to keep winning, uh, you know, and and people got to start believing that this thing's for real. And I just, and that's the problem for UNLV right now is they don't believe it's for real. And I tell you what, I, it's, this is something for all Las Vegas sports. I mean, the Golden Knights have had it great ever since they started, but at some point they're going to have a down season. And maybe even a couple down seasons, and then it will be interesting to see where attendance goes. Because I do think, I do think uh, you, you will see the casual fan be more picky about going to see those games. And you'll see that some of the Raiders now. I mean, you go to Raiders game, you know, you see lots of lots of uh, empty seats, and we we know those are basically sold tickets. But it tells you that people don't want to take the time to go out to a Raiders game for a team that's probably not going to the playoffs. So people people do want to see a winner. Oh, there's no question uh, about that. And you know, I, I've said the exact same thing that there the honeymoon period will be over at some point in time with the Golden Knights. But that honeymoon period got extended when you go 
uh, you know, basically uh, go to the Stanley Cup final in your first year and you're a perennial playoff team and you do have some marquee names if you're a hockey fan with this. But it just I've been noticing with games this year that there have been you know, a couple thousand empty seats there. And you're you're seeing that. You know, people are saying, well, okay, 41 games, that's a little bit much to chew on here. And, uh, you know, I, you know, we, we noticed that from a media standpoint as well, too. It's like, we got so much to cover. It's like, we're not going to go to 41, you know, games. We just, we just can't do it, you know, uh, home games. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It, it's all about the winning. And when the Golden Knights do hit that snag, and they will eventually at some point in time, are we going to see crowds of six and 7,000? I, I think we will. And a lot of people probably can't fathom that right now, Mark, because they're used to you know the rock concert atmosphere and the way the Golden Knights are, you know, have 18,000-plus in there. But uh, if, if they lose and they lose some marquee players, yeah, you're, you're going to see that because that is just the nature, not of just this community, but any sports community because they want to support winners. Yeah, when you saw, I think you saw some of the problem early in the season, too. There's still some hangover for the way fans felt that the flurry was treated. And yep. there's still some of that out there. But I do think that people had a bad taste in their mouths about the Golden Knights to begin the season. It's like, you know, the, the, it just wasn't the same. Now, I'm, you're starting to see the crowds come back more. I think last night, you know, it was a prime example of that. You get, of course, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, yep. and that's going to that's going to get people to come out. But yeah, I, I've noticed the crowds. It looks like it looks like the crowds have been picking up again lately. So, uh, I do I do think that you know, once you get close to the playoffs um, and into the playoffs, I mean, the fans, the city's going to be really into that team again. I don't have any doubt. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, many years ago, people wouldn't have, wouldn't have dreamed. You know, we basketball would have this kind of attendance. It just, you know, so that's. I'm with you in that. Uh, don't don't assume that people are always going to keep coming out. You got it. All right, Mark Anderson, George's Las Vegas Review Journal, covering the Run and Rebels. And Mark, let's talk about tonight's game. Uh, San Diego coming in here, not San Diego State, but San Diego out of the WCC. And uh, we know the WCC is uh, is is a rock solid conference. Of course, you got Gonzaga, you got BYU, you got St. Mary's. USF is is playing very well this year. USF beat UNLV by twenty two, uh, going back a couple weeks ago. Talked to Kevin Kruger the other day, and he was just singing the praise of, of not only USF but this conference. And you know, San Diego is a team that uh, they can play a little bit, and they've picked up some some guys from the transfer portal. Uh, they're a seven and five team. Both these teams have won three in a row coming into tonight's game. Uh, how do you see UNLV, you know, handling this game tonight? No, they're they're facing one of the top defensive teams in the country. Uh, you know, team that gives up roughly what forty, fifty four, fifty five points a game. And you know, you know, we 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 all know, you know, these offensive struggles for much of this season. So I, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I do think UNLV is going to win. Uh, last I saw, they're favored by seven. I can see it playing being within that number very easily. Um, so I, I do think I think it's going to be a hard game for most of the night, and I can see a, a late run basically deciding the game. Um, so you know, I, I think I just don't think it's going to be a game where the expect you know be up and down the court. All right, uh, San Diego lost to Cal. They lost to Fresno State, but they did beat uh, the Wolfpack. Uh, they did beat Nevada earlier this year as well, too. So it'll be interesting. When you look at UNLV, Mark, 
you got Bryce Hamilton. We know what he can do. I mean, I always say that Bryce Hamilton can shoot you in a game. He can shoot you out of a game uh, as well, too. Kevin Kruger's still trying to figure out this roster. Uh, tell me what you've noticed, uh, you know, covering this team so far this year. Yeah, I, I just, I I think, well, I mean, there's no secret that they're struggling to shoot. I mean, that when, when Kevin Kruger assembled this roster, that was the one thing that was noticeable. He didn't really bring in a lot of shooters. His emphasis was on defense, and, and for the large uh, for the most part, they played really good defense. They've had some lapses here and there where they haven't. But but generally speaking, they, they have played really good defense. And, and that obviously keeps in a lot of games. So um, I, I think they're going to rely on their defense again tonight and just kind of try to win it ugly. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to see Bryce Hamlin take fewer threes. Um, as you point out, that uh, he, he probably he tends to take too many. He's not really a great outside shooter. He's more of a driver. Uh, so if he can take better advantage of his game for driving and maybe pulling up for shorter jumpers, that seems to be where he's at his best. And so, um, you know, so I, I think I think that's what you want to see from him going forward. All right, all right, uh, Mark Anderson, I appreciate your time as always, my friend, and uh, we'll 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 see you at the Thomas and Mac, and we'll see we'll we'll see you all around. I mean, you're you're covering a whole bunch of stuff right now as as you do a fantastic yeah. job, and I love seeing you around, man. Same here, TC. I look forward to seeing you tonight. Thanks for having me on. You got it, buddy. Take care. There he is, Mark Anderson, Las Vegas Review Journal, covers uh, UNLV, uh, just just part of what he does uh, at the RJ. And uh, tonight, uh, UNLV taking on San Diego. Get out to the Thomas and Mac. Support this team. It's the last non-conference game before UNLV will face the San Diego State Aztecs in the home opener of the Mountain West Conference slate. And that game will actually be a week from Saturday. It will be on New Year's Day. So UNLV trying to get uh, another victory here. They've won three in a row against non-conference opponents, uh, against you know some lighter competition. But like when we talked to Kevin Kruger about the other day, hey, playing Michigan, playing Wichita State, playing UCLA, you know, playing USF and SMU. I mean, those are some 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 very good teams. But still, the building process here for UNLV, it's going to take some time, but. Future could be bright uh, with Kevin Kevin Kruger recruiting some talent and getting his roster together, but it will take a little bit of time, but uh, a fun group to watch. All right, uh, appreciate Mark Anderson for joining us. Appreciate Trevor Maddich as well, ESPN, our good friend, and, of course, my buddy Steve Berline from CBS, the former quarterback as well. Uh, the show will be up on the website, of course, a little bit later on, so hang tight for that at tcmartshow.com. Our interview with Kevin Kruger from – the other day's show is up on the website right now where we talk about UNLV, talk about eating popcorn, all kinds of great stuff there with that. If you're part of the show, go to the website, check it all out, tcbartonshow.com. We'll see you tomorrow at 2.